I want to speak on this subject off with his head. And I want to tell this story in the book of 2 Kings, starting at chapter number 10, uh, starting at verse number 1. So I want you to follow along here with me to really understand what is taking place here in 2 Kings chapter number 10. The Bible here is speaking of a man by the name of Ahab who had 70 sons in Samaria. And then it says in Jehu, Jehu was a king this particular time in the northern part of the kingdom of Israel. They have been split now into the northern and to the southern uh, because of a sin that was committed years ago by David with Bathsheba. Now, David was able to remain with Bathsheba, but there was consequences. Not only did the child die that they had, but it also caused a riff in his family for generations to come. And part of that riff was a split in the kingdom of Israel. And so they were split into the northern and southern kingdoms. And it is important for us to understand that when we make mistakes, that there are consequences that we are going to have to endure. It does not mean that God's mercy isn't still available and his grace is there because obviously there was grace that was extended to David. David was still considered the king. He did not lose his throne, neither did his lineage lose the throne. He was still considered a man after God's own heart. Yet although when there are mistakes, we do have to suffer the consequences of those mistakes. But too often, we mistake the consequences of our own doing as if the hand of God is not on our life anymore. And that's a lie from the enemy. Because the hand of God will still be upon your life, especially when you're like David, who had a repentive mindset. And so here we find a king by the name of Jehu who wrote these letters and sent them unto Samaria, unto the rulers of Jezreel, to the elders, and to them that brought up Ahab's children, the Bible says. And they begin to say, now as soon as these letters come unto you, seeing your master's son, speaking of Ahab, those that are with you, those that have chariots and horses and a fenced city also and is armed, and verse number five says, and he that was over the house and he that was over the city, the elders also and the bringers up of the children sent to Jehu saying, we are your servants. And it says, and we will do whatever you tell us to do. And we, and excuse me, we will not make any king. Do thou that which is good in your own eyes. And, and the Bible says in verse six, then he wrote a letter a second time to them saying if you be mine and if you will hearken unto my voice I want you to take the heads of the men your master's son and come to me to Jezreel by this time tomorrow so now the king's sons as we have stated earlier there are 70 of them 
And what took place, if you drop down to verse number seven, and it came to pass when the letters came unto them, they took the king's sons and slew all 70 of them. How did they do it? They cut off their heads. The Bible says they cut off their heads of them and placed them into baskets. And they sent un, a messenger unto the king saying, hear the heads of these 70 men. Here they are. The Bible lets us know that Jehu told them and commanded them to put these heads into heaps. The Bible says, and I want you to put them at the front gate. The latter part of, uh, excuse me, verse number eight, it says, and he said, lay ye them in two heaps at the entering in of the gate until the morning. Obviously, he was proving a point to everyone that was going in and out of the city. The scripture says in verse number 10, it says, know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord. In other words, everything the word of the Lord has spoken in times past, it will come to pass eventually. And he goes on to say that which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab, for the Lord hath done that which he spake by his servant Elijah. So he is explaining here that the prophet Elijah had prophesied it years ago that Ahab's sons, not only Ahab would die, but his sons would also die. And now here it is, King Jehu is exercising or carrying out the word of the Lord at this particular time in 2 Kings chapter number 10. If you go back to 1 Kings chapter number 21, we see where this is taking place. In 1 Kings chapter number 21, starting at verse number 1, it tells of a story about a man by the name of Naboth. Naboth, who was a Jezreelite, he had a vineyard. And this vineyard was right up against Ahab, the king's palace. And Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard. But Naboth said, I'm not giving you my vineyard. Now, the king in this particular moment asked him, I will give you money if you give me your vineyard. Matter of fact, I will even give you a bigger and grander vineyard if you just give me your vineyard because it's so close to my palace. Naboth said unto him in verse number three, and Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it. The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. It is in this moment here that we can grab out a key point that when we receive an inheritance of the father and we all here today that have been endowed with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we have received an inheritance from the father that cannot be misplaced it cannot be sold it cannot be given it cannot be something that we take for granted that we give to other people meaning when God has given you his power his spirit it doesn't matter what the world offers you I'm not giving up 
the Holy Ghost. And so this is what Naboth is trying to say unto King Ahab. He's trying to let him know, even though you have offered me money, even though you have offered me a greater vineyard, I'm not giving up an inheritance that has been passed down from my father. And many of us have things that have been passed down unto us, and you cannot sell those things. You cannot get rid of those things. Why? Because you have inherited them. There's no amount of money that someone can offer you to give it up because it means something and has greater value than money. I'm telling you, the gift of the Holy Ghost has greater value than money. When you have God's spirit down on the inside of you, I don't care what the world offers you. Can I make this plain? I don't care what job comes your way. I don't care what opportunity comes your way. I don't care what girl or what man comes your way. When somebody tries to interrupt my relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I'm sorry, but I'm not selling out. We have too many people in our world that are selling out what God has given them for something that's not going to be eternal but I'm telling you when I went down in the name of Jesus Christ when my sins were washed away when I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost that is something I cannot put a value on why because eternal life has no value this world will pass away but what I have on the inside of me is forever. Uh-huh. And so he says, I'm not giving this to you. I, I, I don't care how much money you offer me. I don't care how much more you give unto me. See, some people, if you give them the right dollar amount, they will sell their soul. If you offer them the right amount of money, they'll give up everything. They don't care how often they got to miss church. They don't care how often they got to be away from the Lord. They don't care what they need to do. If you give me a certain amount of dollar, I'm going to chase after that money. I wish I had a few people in here. I sure hope that this church, the people that's sitting in this house here today, have a made up mind that no matter what people come to you and offer you, it is not worth it. It doesn't matter how valuable they. I'll preach to myself for a moment. I'm telling you, I had things in my fingertips. I've had people offer me things. I've had contracts in front of my face and say, if you just sign right there, you'll have everything that you ever dreamed of. But I had to take a step back and say, Lord, I need your help right now because the flesh is trying to pull me in. But I know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I know I've got a reason to... The joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. I'm telling you, what's on the inside of me, the world can't give me this. What's on the inside of me, it cannot be paid for. It was already bought when Jesus died on the cross. Hallelujah. Uh huh. Can I stay here just for a moment? Is this okay? 
I've got a lot more to preach and and I'm not trying to weary you today but we need some people with some made up minds we need people that are determined and you cannot look at the rest of this world and what they're doing we are not guided by the world we are not instructed by the world but we are instructed by his word and we are guided by his word so if the word says it I'm going to do it if God said it that's what I'm going to believe in And so we need a spirit of Naboth to hit us right now. In the name of Jesus, we need a spirit of Naboth to hit our homes. Because we need that type of relationship with the Lord. That I understand what you're saying, but I'm not giving up my inheritance. Uh, see people that have a spiritual inheritance you can dance off that people that don't have a spiritual inheritance they're probably playing on their phone right now because they don't get it they don't understand that's why I can't be bothered by people that sit next to me because you don't have the spiritual covering over your life like I have a spiritual covering you don't have Uh uh-huh we need to understand that that's why I don't come to church for nobody else but I come to the house of God for me and me alone me and my wife may be here together but when I come into God's house it's about me and my savior it's about me and my redeemer it's about the one that brought me out Uh so let me explain this a little bit more so he's like nope I'm not giving up my vineyard So Ahab, his weak self, he goes home crying. Yeah, he's soft. He goes home crying. Oh, 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 Jezebel. Oh, Sister Jezzy. Jezebel's like, what's wrong? What's wrong, Ahab? Yeah, that's what my three-year-old does at home. And she fully expects me to take care of the situation. Everybody's getting yelled at. Give it back to her. Give it. Why? So she can get out of my room. Praise God. Give it a toy. Go play with something else. I went to Naboth and I offered him money I even offered him a bigger vineyard but he told me no oh sister Jesse oh oh he did don't worry about that I'm going to take care of him and so oh, oh Jezebel devised a scheme she devised a plan and said well I'm going to take care of him and so he don't want to give up something Uh huh. well I I don't take no for an answer like you do because if somebody tells me no I'm going to take what I want Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wish I had time to preach a little bit more about Jezebel uh, and so I'm going to take what I want so she devised a little plan to to have a lie told on Naboth and said that he blasphemed against God and blasphemed against the king because the penalty of blasphemy against God and the king was stoning him to death 
And so she devised a scheme and lied. And, and, and what happened? They ended up stoning Naboth to death. So this word gets to Elijah, the prophet. And now here is, 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 is Ahab because Jezebel now goes to her husband and says, Hey, baby, you know what you came home crying to me about the other day? It's handled. I've taken care of it. Don't, don't, he, he, he's dead, the Bible says. Now, notice that Jezebel did not say how he died. She just said, he's dead. And old silly uh, Ahab, he didn't even ask what happened. He knew he had an evil wife. He just goes on there to the vineyard. He begins to prepare to, and do what he needs to do. And here comes Elijah. I say, hey, 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 young man. I noticed that you're in a vineyard that doesn't belong to you. And I heard that, you know, I know what happened because God revealed it to me. See, there's some things you may think you're getting away with, but God will reveal it in time. See, there's some things you may do behind closed doors and nobody thinks, nobody knows and maybe even your spouse that you live with don't even know, but I'm telling you, God sees and he knows exactly what is going on. And you may get away with it for a while. The Bible says that he was in the, the vineyard of Naboth for a little bit before, before Elijah showed up. So you could be enjoying yourself for a little bit, but trust me, God's going to send somebody to help you to make it right. Uh-huh. So Elijah shows up, and I'm just going to paraphrase the story. Say, hey, you, you, you shouldn't be here. And because of this, you're going to die. All your sons are going to die. The Bible uses the word everyone that pisses against the wall, meaning all the men in the household, they're all going to die. Every man in your lineage, they're going to die. And so we see here, going back to 2 Kings, this is where King Jehu executes that. He puts that into motion. He chops off the head of all of the sons that came from Ahab. Every one of them he chopped off. Now, let me say this very quickly. Even though he executed the word of God, the word of God never said to chop off their heads. Jehu was actually punished. If you read your Bible and you understand the story, Jehu was actually punished. You can find it. I believe it's in the book of Hosea, actually. I believe it's in the book of Hosea where you can find that in chapter number one, uh, where he was actually punished for what he did. And so it's important to understand this because what took place was that Jehu did something, even though God's word said they were all going to die, he took it upon himself to choose how they were going to die. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying there's a lot of preachers, there's a lot of religions that try to take the word of God and twist it to make it to what they want it to be. Yeah, there's a lot of people that will use scripture and then they will twist the scripture to make you bend to what they want and that's not the will of God that's why it's important to find a man of God that's going to preach the word exactly how it is not twist the word not bend the word not put people in oppression or make people do things that you want them to do just to try to use scripture that is a lie from the devil Is that so true? Because that's what the devil does. He'll use the Bible just like God will. But he'll use it towards his will and his bending. 
And so Jehu was punished for that because he never should have executed it the way that he thought it should be done. Although Jehu did do something that I can agree with in the spirit. Removing the heads of those men, I don't agree with it in the natural because God didn't tell him to do that. But I do agree with it in the spirit. <laughs> because we have allowed spiritual problems to flow downhill. From a spiritual sense, I agree with what Jehu did. There are generational problems that the Christian believer deals with that is an effect from a cause years ago because we have allowed spiritual issues and problems to flow from one generation to another when that is not the will of God. It is the will of God for the anointing that is upon your life to flow from one generation to the next. Why is that? Because the Bible says it is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Or in other words, it is the anointing that destroys the bondage. It is not the will of God for you to be dealing with situations that your parents and your parents' parents dealt with. It is not the will of God for my wife and I to be dealing with things. And because we don't take care of the situation, now my children and my children's children are dealing with it. That's not the will of God. But I'm telling you today, we're going to walk out of here with victory. Why? Because we're going to remove the head of the situation. And sometimes, in order for you to have complete victory you must remove the head of that situation and too many of us oftentimes we are sweeping situations under the rug we are just pushing it behind us when God is saying no that's going to come right back out in due time how many of us in here you don't have to lift your hand there's things that are now creeping back up in your life that you thought you dealt with a long time ago it seems like things years ago all of a sudden here they are placed at the forefront of your life it's laying right here in your lap and you're wondering how in the world is this coming back up I thought I dealt with this 5-10 years ago it's because you did not remove the head of that situation to make sure that it never comes back well today my friend we're walking out of here with victory somebody shout victory how can you walk out with victory it's because I'm going to remove the head of the very thing that is going on in my life why are you going to remove the head pastor so my children don't have to deal with the spiritual junk that I'm going through so my children's children can walk in victory so I'm going to fight the battle I wish I had about 10 men I wish I had 10 men that would stand to your feet and say I'm going to fight the battle why are you going to fight me for my wife, for my children, for my family. The Bible says, listen to me now, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, and these signs shall follow them that believe. He says, in my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. How does this happen? The Bible says, and these signs shall follow them that 
believe. It is important for us to understand because there are many people that misunderstand the text here. When it talks about in verse number 18, they shall take up serpents. There are people and religions and preachers in this day that walk around picking up snakes saying that they are spiritual. Well, if that's what it takes to join your church, I will never come to that church because I'm not picking up no snake. No, I'm running from the snake. You don't have to take up no snake. They read that scripture verse and they misunderstand it because they don't understand the content of what Jesus was talking about. See, if you understand content and understand the scripture, it's not talking about taking up a serpent. I can prove that two ways. Number one, you don't read anywhere in the Bible where any of the apostles went around picking up snakes saying, this is how powerful I am. Uh-huh. that's the number one thing and so we go by the apostles we go by what they did our prophets and apostles nobody was walking around picking up snakes matter of fact the apostle Paul was bit by a snake and the bible says he shook that thing right off hallelujah the second thing is is that you must understand the text that the word take up means to tread under and that's where people make the mistake the word take up means to tread under so the scripture is not talking about picking up a snake it's talking about you tread under or bounce upon or step on a snake well can you prove that preacher thank you for asking i would like to because the bible says in luke chapter number 10 verse number 19 the bible it says behold I give unto you power to do what to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you I'm not asking you to stand up but I wonder if somebody would just begin to stump your feet I'm telling you that's where the devil head belongs he belongs under your feet he doesn't belong in your face but he belongs under your feet Uh-huh. I believe we sing a song, stomp on the devil's head. Stomp on the devil's head. He is defeated. The devil is defeated. And so we must understand the text and context of what is going on here, not misunderstand it. So don't let no one confuse you and try to say uh, that you're not a true believer if you can't go around picking up some snake. No, that snake doesn't belong in my hand. It belongs under my feet. And that's exactly where the devil belongs in your life. He belongs under your feet. Oh, can I preach? for 10 more minutes I'm telling you the devil belongs under your feet and you need to chop the head off of that serpent whatever you've been dealing with and going through it belongs under your feet whatever you're dealing with in your home and in your life it belongs under your feet whatever you came in here heavy burden with it belongs under your feet the enemy's been in your face for far too long telling you that you're not going to overcome he's a liar he you shall and you will overcome Overcome. I'm telling you because the situation belongs under your feet, but you must chop the head off of that situation. That's why I love the story of David. King David was getting ready to fight the uncircumcised Philistine. We know him as Goliath. 
And as he was getting ready to fight that thing, David said, you come at me with sword, with spear, and with shield, but I come in the name of the Lord. But I want you to notice something real quick about David. After that giant fell, he didn't leave that giant laying there on the floor. And see, many of us make that mistake. We knock our giant down and we start dancing, thinking that we have victory. No, my friend, the giant that falls, it can get back up. And that's what you're realizing in your life. You've knocked down the giant. And now you're wondering how in the world is this giant back in my face? It's because you didn't chop the head off that giant. So the Bible says that David ran to that Philistine. He picked up his sword and chopped the head. I feel like preaching in here. He chopped the head off that giant. I'm trying to tell you, I want you to understand this principle. Somebody shout, turn around. Oh, come on, shout it like you mean it. Turn around. Because the very thing that Goliath was trying to use to take out David was the same thing that David used to take out his enemy. I'm telling somebody in here that whatever the devil's trying to use to take you out, that God is getting ready to turn it around in the very thing that he's trying to use in your life. You're about to take it from the enemy and use it against your own enemy. Somebody say, I'm taking it all. I'm taking it all. I'm taking it. Ow! I feel like dancing in here. I feel like shouting in here. Clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify the name of Jesus. I said the devil. He's trying to use my mouth to curse people. I'm saying God is getting ready to turn it around. He's going to use my mouth to bless people. The very thing that the devil's trying to take and use against you, God is getting ready to turn it around. So he's trying to use your friends and your family to curse you. I'm telling you, God is getting ready to turn it around that your family and friends are going to bless you. I'm saying the things that you're facing against, the very thing that's happening in your home, God is getting ready to shift it. God is getting ready to turn it and use the same weapon. But when you receive that weapon, you better know what to do with it. Did you hear me, church? David knew what to do with that sword once he got it in his hand. The sword was not for a souvenir. It wasn't just for him just to go home with and say, hey, check this out. Notice in the Bible, David did not take the sword back to King Saul and say, hey, I've knocked down the giant. Here's his weapon. You better read your Bible. The Bible says that he took the head of the giant and said, is this who y'all was messing with? Is this who was messing with y'all? I took off his head. How'd you take it off? With his own sword. 
I'm telling somebody in here that you ought to have a great enough imagination. I don't know what your situation is, but you need to act like that thing is in front of you. And you need to grab your spiritual sword out right now. And you need to chop the head off that situation. And then you need to pick up that thing and tell the devil, you thought you had me defeated. You thought you had me down. But now I've got the head. Now I've got the head of that situation. And it's in my hands. I'm leaving here with victory. I'm leaving here with victory. Why do you have victory? Because I got the head. I got the head. I got the head. Somebody stand to your feet. Clap your hands and lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, magnify him. Magnify him. I feel a turnaround in here. I said, I feel a turnaround in the Holy Ghost. I feel a turnaround in the Spirit. I don't know if you're waiting on an altar call, but somebody just needs to shout. Somebody needs to move by faith. I'm telling you, there's a turnaround in here. God's getting ready to turn around your home. God's getting ready to turn around marriages. God's getting ready to turn around finances. God's getting ready to turn around your business. God's getting ready to turn around relationships. God's getting ready to turn around your mind. God's getting ready to turn around your heart. I'm telling you there is a turnaround devil you are a liar you thought you had me down you thought you had me defeated but I'm coming out of here with the head I'm walking out of here with the spiritual authority in the name of Jesus come on